and I'll be honest, at the beginning of this year when um, Dave got fired and mm-hmm. things were so up in the air, um, I didn't know that I had another one in me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I was pretty explicit about that with uh, certainly members on our team and, um, you know, people that were close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just didn't know that I had another year of just total uncertainty and mm-hmm. scrambling to um, figure out the way forward as we're doing it. Uh, it, you know, it's just been so many years of that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it seemed pretty daunting. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm happy that I made the decision. And, and it was, it was a very uh, deliberate decision. It took me a long time to arrive at it. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. All right. Well, welcome back to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Adrian Bosman, otherwise known as Boz in the CrossFit world and really needs no introduction. I'm sure many of you know him as a seminar staff member, flow master, HQ employee, head judge of the CrossFit Games, and now most recently moved into the role of programming the CrossFit Games, has been around the CrossFit community since the early 2000s, has seen it inside and out. And it we were just saying it's been quite a while since we've caught up on the podcast. So we have a lot to talk about today. Boz, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's uh it's a pleasure. I, I feel like um, you know, there's certain people in the CrossFit community that are always it, it's weird. It's not that you take it for granted, but it's you're aware that they're out there just kind of doing their thing and then y- you haven't crossed paths in a while and then when it's kind of brought to the light as to how long it's actually been, it's a little bit of a surprise. So It is, right, <laughs> yeah. especially when you have pandemics in there and other things yeah, that right. just create unexpected twists and turns, but um, I'm curious, it's now been a few weeks since the CrossFit Games. And mm-hmm. I think for anyone who's heavily involved in the games process, it is always a very weird time of year as you yes. kind of come down from that and process it. And so I'm wondering, you know, how has the past few weeks been like for you? What do you do? Do you do you go take a vacation? Do you take some time off? How do you process everything that just happened? Um, well, I definitely took some time off. I haven't, uh, officially been back to work, uh, yet. And so Monday will be kind of first day back. So I've had a few weeks to just decompress and and not do much of anything, which has been great. Uh, it's nice. You know, it's, it's on the other hand though, I, I I do think maybe I went a little too far in that direction. Um, (laughs) and what I mean by that is, you know, when you're working the games and certainly working up to the games, there's so much schedule pressure Mm -hmm. you know you have deadlines leading up to things and you know you have to have certain things ready for certain teams um so that they can start putting their plans together and then once you get on site everything is so to the minute um that your time is really not your own until you're out of there Mm -hmm. uh and so when i got home i kind of went 180 degrees the opposite and, and i've had like no time constraints uh for the past you know little while that sounds um, really healthy. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's too much. I think it's gone too far the other direction. And it's like, I had a, this list of things that I was hoping to kind of get done and yeah. not much of it did. And and not that like, I feel this burning need to always be productive, but uh-huh. um, I think, I think being too idle uh, yeah. comes at a cost as well. So well, it's that, that pendulum, it makes you then appreciate, yeah. you know, the time where you are maybe doing a little bit more. I thought you were going to say <laughs> my post games. I remember one year I ate, an entire um, 
there was a from you know from Costco how they sell chocolate covered almonds. It's like this huge Costco size container. <laughs> yep. So I got one of those one year right after the CrossFit Games, and it took me maybe like a few days to get through the whole oh, thing. Yeah. So I thought you were going to talk about some crazy food that you ate or something. No, I, you know, I haven't been too <laughs> off the rails that way. I just, uh, just as far as like using my time. Yeah. Um, I haven't, yeah. I haven't done much with it and you know, that's okay. That's a good uh, thing. I think yeah, that's healthy. But, but no vacations, no, no. I'm mean, as far as like, I didn't go anywhere exotic mm-hmm. or do anything like that. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, how, and so how are you, how are you, processing at all i mean this was obviously a different year for you um how have you have you been thinking about it much or is that more of what you're going to do once you get back to work well i mean the first week when i get home and this is something i've done forever um you know like i'll usually immediately following the crossfit games usually a little bit of downtime at at a minimum you know Mm -hmm. like the next week is is basically a Mm write-off um has been for a long long time and um, but honestly, one of the things that I do almost every year is is sit down and watch uh, the mm, games. You know, I'm mm-hmm. curious to see how it comes across from the broadcast point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just so many things that you miss when you're so close to it. And it's such a big event that I don't think any anybody from any vantage point can can really absorb all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back and and seeing it through another perspective is is always useful um, and fun. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm a fan as well. Yeah. So it's it's kind of cool to not have the immediacy of the event and be able to actually go back and and see it. Mm-hmm. Um and so that helps in in two ways, you know, number one it's nice to see the things that came off well and and that are successful and um like there, what's that famous line uh old Rudyard Kipling poem um and in it he says something about if you can see oh I'm going to blow it you can see triumph and failure as the same imposter, you know, something like that. Mm, okay. um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. It's like, you know, when you're on site and people are hyped up, of course, they're going to tell you good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other end of that is when there's some distance removed and people can go back and scrutinize it. They're going to tell you all the places that were terrible, you know? <laughs> so right, I think both right. of those, huh. you have to kind of take them in and then dismiss them and actually look at what the reality is. And, and mm-hmm. oftentimes it, there's a, a kernel of truth in both. Um, and so... I don't know what the, I don't know what the original question was. I'm kind of rambling, but just about how you uh, process it. So you're watching it. I I mean, I'm interested in that. It's always, I think, exciting to watch it again, even after you were, you were there in person and you know, like you said, you're a fan too. You knew what, you know what happens, but you're still rooting for those athletes when they're out there watching it again and seeing how big, I think I was always amazed. You know, it's one thing to be there on the floor and competing, but then to be a spectator and just see Mm -hmm how big it is and for you to be able to see wow this this workout that came from an idea that i wrote down on my notepad how many months ago and now look at you know the production of it and you know the teams that go into changing the equipment in between and all the different pieces that come together and seeing that on a big scale has to be pretty cool yeah for sure i mean the um the actualization of it is really something to see uh for exactly that reason you know in the in the build-up you live in your head so much um you know, you do the best you can to to lay the plans out and you think you have a pretty good idea of how it's going to actually happen. Uh, but until you see it happen, number one, you don't know if it's really going to. Um, and then number two, you don't know how close your original plans were to what actually takes place. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is it is pretty cool to see that. Um, as far as the processing side, I think it's ongoing. Um, you know, I tend to live in my head a little bit, probably too much. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and and uh as a part of that like you know i leading up to the games there was a lot of 
kind of latent anxiety and stress about getting it right. And and, um, that's already starting to creep back in as far as next season, Mm -hmm. uh, even though we have time to to do it and, and get it right. And, and, uh, you know, make some course corrections along the way, but I suppose that's just being invested in anything is, is you're going to have some degree, at least I am going to have some degree of, uh, you know, just kind of self pressure to, to make it as good as it can be. Absolutely. I think that's a sign of any good artist, right. Is that you care that much about all the details that you're constantly thinking about them. And, you know, just like Greg Glassman always said, it was, it's, in CrossFit in general, it's about how much you care. And right, I think that goes right. for whether you're talking about training someone or programming or or anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I want to step back for a second because we've sure. also been through a whole lot as a community the past couple of years. I know <laughs> yes. we've been through a lot even since, you know, since the last time we talked, which was, we just found out episode 27 of the podcast was many, many years ago. Um, you know, you've obviously just taken on this new role, but there is a lot of things that changed in between. And we've been through a pandemic as a community. We've been through a lot yeah. of different leadership changes. I know you moved from California to Tennessee. There's a lot mm-hmm. of different things that have happened. And so I'd love to just get your sort of your overall perspective on what this time has been like from your vantage point and, and for our community and, and what, um, maybe sort of looking forward what you're most excited about or hopeful about for us. Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, it's been a lot. I, I'm not going to lie. The last four or five years have been pretty tumultuous. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of ups and downs, um, a lot of hard things to, uh, to kind of work through. Um, and, you know, I, I kept hoping that, okay, maybe this year is going to be the year where things just stabilize a little bit and we get to just build on some momentum from, from a year prior, but that hasn't happened. And so, <laughs> so I, I'm fingers crossed that 2023 maybe is going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I mean, that would be great, but, um, you know, I, I guess that's the nature of life though. It's going to be unpredictable. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, isn't that what we all train for to some degree is, right. okay. You know, you're going to have these left turns in the road. Um, how do you manage them? And uh, I'm not going to say that I always navigate them with the grace that I would like. Um, but at least on the, at the outside, end, it certainly appears that way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, fair enough. But the composure goes a long way, I guess. But but um, you know, it, it's definitely been a struggle. And and I'll be honest, at the beginning of this year, when um, Dave got fired and mm-hmm. things were so up in the air, um, I didn't know that I had another one in me. Um, you know, and I was pretty explicit about that with certainly members on our team and, um, you know, people that were close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just didn't know that I had another year of just total uncertainty and mm-hmm. scrambling to um, figure out the way forward as we're doing it. Uh, it you know, it's just been so many years of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it seemed pretty daunting. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm happy that I made the decision. And, and it was, it was a very uh, deliberate decision. It took me a long time to arrive at it, but the the decision to, okay, I'm going to stay and I'm going to mm-hmm. do the best with the hand that I've been dealt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that I made that decision. I learned a lot in the process, uh, both about what I need and, and, and what I'm capable of, I think. And, um, yeah, I guess it kind of equipped me to enter the next year eyes wide open and and see, you know, how how everybody can be successful within that. And and if we can't be, um, what does that look like as well? And what I mean by that is like, what are the things, what are the conditions that I need to continue to move forward? And mm-hmm. and I really got clear around a lot of that. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's it 
it seems like there's less decision involved in okay, what happens next year? What happens the year after that? Um, you know, I kind of have my criteria mapped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm not making a lot of sense. No, but, uh, that's. I think that's really big, and I think for you know, I think I've experienced that or appreciated that sentiment in a lot of people who have worked so closely with CrossFit for a long time and have been through so much in the last few years is that what I, the common thread that I hear is just that, you know, everyone cares about CrossFit so much and sees the, how much it changes lives and how impactful it is. And, and nobody wants to see that, um, go away and everybody wants to be involved with it, but there is so much, um, sort of fatigue that happens from enduring all of these changes time after time again. And, um, I'm curious if you'd be willing to share any more about that decision-making process for you or what helped you get clear on it and, and decide that you were ready to stay for another year. Oh man. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be happy to share as much as I can, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, time is such a funny thing because in the moment it's so immediate and it seems so uh i don't know just overwhelming i guess is a good word mm-hmm. um and then with a little bit of distance you know now we're um 9 months away from from all of that sort mm-hmm. of drama happening or 8 months away or whatever it is um it seems like oh well what was the big fuss uh and you kind of have to put yourself back there but anyway in in doing so you know like there was a couple of things that i needed to uh address just kind of from a work perspective as mm-hmm. far as okay well like i can't work more um <laughs> <laughs> that's always yeah. been the case like i <laughs> i don't really do much else and yeah. so admitting that if this is going to be a situation where it's like well the requirement is you just work more it's mm-hmm. like well that's already maxed out so yeah. if that's going to be something that is um necessary well that's a non-starter mm-hmm. um and i think it's important for people to understand that because we live in this culture that at least i believe we do um now on the one hand it celebrates hard work and that's mm-hmm. great but on the other end of that is just this puritanical work for work's sake that mm-hmm. i don't think serves much uh, and if your solution to things is like, well, I'm just going to run at it harder, mm-hmm. y- there's a limit to that. Um, and so I had to confront that limit personally. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a big another, one. A, a beautiful metaphor with with CrossFit and training too, right? Like yes. this idea of is more training and more volume always better? Or right. if you have good programming and you have good intensity in your workouts, it's actually doing that with the appropriate rest in between that is allowed is what allows us to get the best result. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so that was a big one, you know, kind of, uh, looking at it from the lens of, all right, like what, what do I, what can I personally commit to? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the second thing was like, it really mattered to me that my team, uh, was taken care of. You know, we had many people on the, the games team still do that have been around and behind the scenes for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was important to me that, that their contributions are not only recognized, but with new responsibilities falling on different people, mm-hmm. um, that that was acknowledged by the leadership that we had in place uh, with the company that mm-hmm. was newer. And, uh, you know, the tricky thing around that is that a lot of the core team and a lot of the core CrossFit offering does not fit nicely into a uh, spreadsheet of pre-existing roles that can just be plug and played from other companies. And mm-hmm. so I think that's hard sometimes for people to reconcile. Um, 
especially if they have, you know, the job of allocating salaries and figuring out how that fits in with the greater company organization. Um, anyway, so that was a big, uh, big important thing for me was that the, the team, despite the fact that they might not have um, on paper a role that is easily identifiable by somebody coming in from an, a pre-existing company, that, that they were recognized. Um, so that was a, another really big one. Um, and then it was really just kind of entering into the situation, eyes wide open and saying, okay, like there's going to be a lot of work. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty. There's going to be a lot of criticism. There's going to be a lot of um, building things as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people that have no idea um, what goes into that process uh, that have very public opinions about it. And, and that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But accepting that and saying, okay, am I up for it? That's, that's another one. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I had never really asked before, you know, like, like CrossFit, um, was very much for me, something that I fell into early on in my life. And I'm very lucky to have had that. Uh, and it's weird. Cause I think about it all the time. Like I never expected to have a career quote unquote mm-hmm. in, in anything. Um, and here we are, you know, 16, 17 years later, and I have a career with this company and this movement. Um, Adrian Bosman, career man. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It's really weird to uh, to kind of frame it that way, but it's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and I've, I guess I've never really sat down and asked myself, like, all right, here's the situation. Here mm-hmm. it is objectively. Do you want to engage with it? And so yeah. that was just a, a necessary part of the process at the beginning of this year. Yes. And it sounds like, you know, I can relate to that um, myself when I had to make, or when I made the decision, it was back in 2012 um, when I was in med school and competing. And I found myself in a very similar situation where I was like, well, I've kind of fallen into this. Like I started doing CrossFit for my own health and fitness. And then next thing I know, I'm at the games and well, I guess I'm pretty good at this. So I guess I'm going to keep going. And Next thing you know, you're pushing, you know, pushing the boundaries, you know, burning the candle at both ends, trying to make it work with everything you're doing. And I had not actually ever stopped to ask myself, well, is this really what I want to do? And Mm -hmm. of course, in the end, the answer was yes, but there was a lot of sort of personal growth in stepping back to answer that question myself. And it sounds like for you, maybe a similar situation of just this confirmation of, yes, this is what I want to do. And this is why. And feeling that sense of purpose in in your work. Yeah, I, I think that's right on. And, and I also think that as an extension of that, allowing myself to ask that question repeatedly, you know, and mm. just because this season was, in my opinion, you know, g- given the situation that we had and the challenges that we overcame, I think it was a, su- a success, mm-hmm. uh, you know, certainly not flawless and certainly not something that I feel we can rest our laurels on, but I think it was a success. Um, and that said, I think it's important that for me, at least personally, um, it's a consistent reevaluation. All right, we did this one. Great. Let's take a look at what the next one's going to look like. Eyes wide open. Do I mm-hmm. want to sign up for that and keep going? Uh, instead of just assuming that, okay, well, if the train's on the tracks, it's going to stay there. Right, right. So I know we talked last time, we talked on the podcast a lot about how you evolved into the role of head judge. And I know that's a role you've had for many, many years at the CrossFit Games. Um, how did you then come to find out that you were going to be asked to program the games and what was your first reaction to that? Oh man. Well, I mean, if we back up a little bit, I think that that's, um, something that's really important to understand about 
across with the entity and the organization. And it should come as no surprise because I think it's philosophically consistent. But, you know, we're jack of all trades type of people. And, and certainly now with the company being a little bit bigger and, and a little bit more um, structured in, in a more traditional business sense, there are people that come in with a dedicated skill set and a more narrowly defined mm-hmm. job description and things like that. But But many of us that have been around a long time, you know, the expectation was that you had your hands in a lot of different places and mm-hmm. you were capable of stepping in in many different cir- circumstances. Um, and that's still a point of pride for me uh, is that like over the years, I have had my hand in a lot of different projects that have been significant through CrossFit education, you know, certainly the games, um, you know, even reaching out and, and doing um, basic things with affiliates. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I feel lucky to have had that. Um, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is that it's not like it was this uh, totally isolated thing that I didn't have experience in when it came down to me to take on newer mm-hmm. responsibilities on the game site. It was like, okay, that it, it feels like a natural extension of things I've already been involved with. So that was a good thing. That was a positive, you know. Um, and I like can I speak looked- to that from my my experience on the demo team, which was many years ago, and I know has changed, but um, I know I remember you being around looking at workouts and helping, you know, with a small team to identify what's the best way to change this workout, the best weights to use. Um, I I know you've always been involved in a lot of those types of decisions. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it was in that sense, I look at it and I'm like, well, yes, I, I do think that I'm one of the more qualified people uh, in the sense that my background fits and I've been involved in these things for a long time. Um, on the other end of that, it's like, you know, how did I come to find out? It's like, really, it's it's as simple as Dave got fired. And I don't know that there was much of a plan beyond that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it came down that there was going to be uh, uh, those of us that are going to be taking on responsibilities that, that he had taken on. Um, and, uh, you know, one of those was, well, who's ultimately going to be responsible for the season and then, you know, the, the most forward facing part of the season, which is what the athletes are actually going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that fell on me. Um, and it's just a weird mixed bag because, you know, I've known Dave for a long time. He's a friend of mine. He was my boss. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we worked together again across before CrossFit even had departments. <laughs> you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like we, we, we worked on a lot of different projects together. Um, over the years, um, you know, I certainly learned a ton from him. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just a strange position to be in where, you know, agree or disagree with the way things happened. It's like, well, this is happening. And now you have to make the decision as to how you want to engage with it. Um, and like so said, it's very strange. A really, a really tough position, I think, for all of you on the team, you know, knowing yeah. how how close you have been with Dave over the years and how much you all respect him and how much the whole community respects him. And then, you know, to feel this, I'm sure you have felt a lot of conflict, especially in the beginning of like, well, absolutely. You know, wanting to honor him and do the right thing and, and kind of preserve your relationship, but also Mm -hmm. do what CrossFit needs to be able to move forward. Yeah. So yeah, yes, all of that. So it's a, you know, it was a little bit tricky and it's one of those things where, you know, it's funny the kind of messages that you receive, and and to be fair, like I've received so much support over the course of this mm-hmm. season, it's been it's been great, and thank you to everybody who's kind of been in my corner there. Um, but on the other hand, it's like you get these messages sometimes from people, and and 
they're like, Hey, congratulations. I'm like, congratulations. Like what a weird thing to say. (laughs) It's not at all. It's not at all how I, um, had envisioned this year going. Um, and you know, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, man, I'm honored to, to have the, the nod to be able to step into that role. Um, but on the other hand, I'm like, man, it's, uh, it's a reluctant acceptance of this is the job that needs to be done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember too, even in our first conversation, you saying how much it meant to you, even when Dave handed over the responsibility of head judge to you to, to trust you enough with that. And it was something that you, you just showed up and coordinated some events at the early CrossFit games and did a good job. And next thing you know, you're taking on more and more responsibility. So mm-hmm. I can imagine, um, you know, similar feelings, but a lot of mixed feelings because of the situation here. Yeah. What are some of the things that you just having watched Dave in that role for so many years, what are some of the things that you really tried to emulate that he did when programming and designing these workouts? And then what are some of the ways that you brought in your own approach or maybe did things a little bit differently? Um, that's a, that's a great question. I would say as far as things that I wanted to carry forward, you know, like Dave was really good at keeping things simple and keeping them relatively understandable for the audience at home and the athletes. You know, you go back and you look at some of the more um, iconic events and what shines through is that they're just so easy and not easy in the sense that they are easy to accomplish. But when you look at them, you're like, okay, there's nothing really complicated about what the athletes are being asked to do here. Mm -hmm. Um, But the test is really, really legitimate. So I tried to carry that forward. I think sometimes I can I can get carried away with trying to add bells and whistles to things. And so, you know, kind of remembering that the roots of this need to be fairly basic. Mm -hmm. um, That was important. Um, And then as far as my own twist, like, you know, I think it's impossible not to have your own kind of bias. Although I I don't know the biases, that might be too strong of a word, but, you know, you certainly as an individual. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Everybody's got their own got their own experiences and um, training history and that, that I think is going to shine through to some degree. Um, And I think that was relatively obvious with some of the new, um, Mm -hmm. you know, gymnastics elements and things like that, that, Mm -hmm. uh, that we had an opportunity to do this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that in my opinion, you know, if I did the job correctly, it shouldn't have been so foreign that uh, games fans that have been longstanding um, or athletes that have been experiencing the games for years and years, they shouldn't have looked at it and been like, wow, this is completely out of left field. There should have been enough recognizable elements there and structure um, that they could accept some of the new things that happen along with that. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully I found that balance, but that's not for me to decide, frankly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you did from my from my single perspective. Um, and I really did enjoy those little um sort of the adrian bosman flavor on it and i love <laughs> i loved like you know the new handstand push-up standard i thought that was awesome i loved how how some so many of the workouts had just a small change on a simple movement mm-hmm. that maybe people weren't quite as familiar with that allowed you to or that asked you to adapt in a in a small way but if you'd always been practicing it the same way over and over again it may have been a a lot to ask or enough to throw you off. Um, so I really like those, like the, you know, the wall will being higher instead of heavier or, um, you know, some of the new skills that were thrown in. So I really, I really enjoyed it. And the sandbag too, obviously that was a, a crowd favorite. I loved watching all of the, um, 
memes of people, or I don't know if they're memes, but people lifting up dog food in Home Depot trying to <laughs> emulate the sandbag. That was pretty funny afterwards. Um, and I'm sure will be a very iconic event for a long time. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, thanks. No, I, I think that, like I said, I think overall it was a pretty successful season and event. Um, you know, and it, and man, I mean, geez, we talk about just a hypersensitive uh, year. I mean, everybody was mm-hmm. just so on edge and so ready to be um, hypercritical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, kind of disappointingly, I think there's a lot of people that were willing to just discard so many of the good things that were going on because they had one pet issue or, I don't know, people get funny, you know? So sure. it's just, um, it's it's you nice to... everybody. Uh, well, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's nice to have a little bit, bit of momentum coming out of the games that hopefully we can carry through. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully there's been some goodwill established there mm-hmm. uh, that we are working really hard to make the right decisions, um, even if they're decisions that aren't always going to fall in the favor of a particular individual. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's rationale behind what we're doing. And, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully a lot of that starts to shine through a little bit more um, as we move away from this really inflammatory um, early part of the season. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get some insight into your creative process and maybe, maybe you can give us sort of overall how things start from a concept into actually seeing it out on the floor, but then maybe we could even just take one event, like the sandbag event of, okay, how did, how did we start with that idea? How did it evolve? What were the the testing that happened even down to like some last minute changes to add an extra bag at the end for the men, you know, how does all of that come into play to make what we see on, you know, on the big screen? There's a lot. It starts really early with a big map of the event. And so I started doing that by division. Mm-hmm. And I started with the individuals first because obviously they're the biggest spotlight, you know, most spectacle. And mm-hmm. so I mapped out what I wanted to do broadly. And that has nothing to do with reps and weights at that point, but movement combinations you know, basic durations of events, what Mm -hmm. each individual day is going to look like. And then you start whittling things down. And it's funny because the sandbag ladder was actually one of the last things that I had put Mm -hmm. into place with any sort of permanence. Um, I knew that Saturday night was going to be a big lift. I knew it was going to follow roughly a a format that we've done in the past, which Mm -hmm. is that kind of last person standing style of event. and what I was waiting on was to see what other movements fit best across most of the other tests. And so I didn't want to be hamstrung because we picked a big lift um, on Saturday. And it's like, well, maybe it's not a, as appropriate to include that somewhere else now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of took the opposite approach that that lift was left open. I knew the format. I knew the basic intent of it, but I didn't know the movement. Mm-hmm. And so as things got more solidified with the rest of the events, you know, you kind of play this game of elimination, like what, what's, what's left over. Mm -hmm. And when it got to that point, it was kind of getting close to, well, it could be a snatch or a clean and jerk again, you know, and both of those, not that they wouldn't have been good choices, but they've been done. Mm -hmm. You know, athletes had a complex that they all experienced at the semifinals. Uh, The year prior, we'd done the snatch. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking, okay, what can we do that's close, but a little bit different? Um, and it really just was one of those things that came to me where I thought, hey, it'd be kind of interesting to take them away from the barbell. All right, well, what can we do that actually shows a progression in loading, um, but isn't a barbell? Mm-hmm. 
And so you start going down that that path a little bit. Um, and I ended up on the on the sandbag ladder. Um, and it was one of those things where I put it down on paper. I wasn't sure how it was going to play. I mocked up what I think the floor could have looked like and how we could get through it with that many athletes. Because okay. that's another challenge. We, we'd never done that style of elimination lift uh, with 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the biggest number we've ever done is 20. And so the logistics behind that get, you know, yeah. it, hopefully it comes off and you yeah. see it and you're like, okay, well, it just feels natural. And like, of course you would have done it that way. But mm-hmm. to get it to that point, you have to do a lot of tinkering with timelines and you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so once I had it kind of set that I think a sandbag ladder would be cool, the next thing was, all right, can I present this to some members of the team? And what is their response going to be? If they're totally like hard no, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's that's an indicator. Maybe, maybe I push back and, and we go with it, but, you know, you have to kind of take that that data point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> luckily, luckily, people seemed... Uh, cautiously optimistic about it i don't okay. think they, people were totally bought in initially when i laid it out to them on paper uh-huh. um so there's a little bit of trust there and a little bit of faith that had to happen so the next step was all right we got this testing week coming up at rogue where the intent was to try to get through as many of the events across as many divisions as we could mm-hmm. and so at that point we mocked up the sandbag ladder and did it and one of the the coolest things about that was you know, all of the people that were on site, even if they didn't have a direct role with that particular test, you know, they await other athletes warming up for something else that was coming up later. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, you know, uh, some of our staff that was there working on other logistics. Um, you know, you had some of the rogue staff, whoever happened to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, slowly, that collection of people that wasn't directly involved in the test, they started to collect around mm-hmm. and they stopped what they were doing. And everybody started to, form this totally organic semicircle and they just started engaging with the spectacle mm-hmm. even though it was a testing environment and even though it was nothing there was flashy no at on that the point. line yeah exactly and so i was like wow that's interesting that that that's happening um, under these conditions <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and so you know then we tinkered with it and we we tried to find the range of weights that we thought was going to be good and then we tested it again back a house uh, once we got on site in madison and exactly the same thing happened. This this like crowd started to draw. It became a spectacle back of house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody was really into it when at first they were kind of like, what is going on? I'm not really that interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew at that point that I think it could be a really good, a good test. Um, but, you know, that was a long process from, okay, big picture. What does the games look like broadly? Mm-hmm. Okay, we know we need a heavy lift. What are the options left on the table? Let's think outside the box a little bit. Okay, now that we have an out, outside the box idea, let's refine it. Okay, and now let's see if it's actually palatable for people that are, you know, watching. Mm-hmm. And after all of those kind of check marks, it's like, all right, I think we have the confidence to do it. Did you have yeah. a backup plan if you if you got to the games? And I guess by that point, you already had the testing week and you knew yeah. there was some spectator interest, but... The, the backup plan was to see how it went at the initial testing week and then reassess. And, and it. since it passed then, that test, it's like, okay, I think we can move now forward. Now it's in. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, this is interesting to me too, because I know back when I was on the demo team, we didn't, I don't think we had the initial testing week. It was all done. A lot of the workouts were done, I think, or tested for the first time on site. Um, yeah. And so I'm curious there, and I know, you know, the games workouts have always been kept very confidential and with a very small group on a need to know basis. And so, you know, how, 
if you can share as you're going through this, you you said you obviously share to a small group of the team that gives you initial feedback, and then you have the testing week. But how um, how does that process work now? Well, uh, I don't know where to start with that. I mean, it's like the this the team. Oh man. I don't know what to say. It's uh, I guess it's like the same core group of people that have been involved in the past probably knew around the same time that they've always known. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're on site, I mean, it's, you know, obviously the people that are there have to know. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we were earlier in sharing some of the information with some of our teams, you know, the broadcast team and and people that need to be a part of the event to make it as smooth and successful as it can be. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like it's very hard to keep that secret right up until the last second if you want to actually integrate successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people did know earlier in some cases, but as far as like the process, I don't, I, I mean, it's pretty organic. I don't, I don't know that there is a, um, well, I do know that it's not like a particularly scripted thing. It's like you reach a certain point in the development of the event and it's like, all right, is it necessary for this individual to mm-hmm. have some visibility here or not? And if the answer is, well, yes, because we have to move forward with you know other decisions that flow from it, then okay, let's bring them in. Mm-hmm. And then you bring in athletes specific with those specific workouts in mind that obviously are are not going to be competing at the games to test some of those during the testing week. Um, and how much, how much changes or how much this year, I guess, changed workout, like big workout, wise, big things, workout or event wise from that testing week to what we saw at the games? Um, there are definitely some reps and loads that changed a little bit. Uh, nothing dramatic. Like most of the stuff was pretty much there and it was just a confidence run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's certain things that you can't test uh, before you get on site. And so those ones were probably the ones that changed the most uh, from how they looked on paper to how they actually were executed. And so like, for example, the Capitol and the bike to work mm-hmm. event, those are two events where it's very hard to kind of mock that up yeah. in an environment that that's close. So those were ones that we had pieces of and we drew on those those pieces of data mm-hmm. to try to inform what would be the best decision. But until we got on site, it was like, all right, we, we know we're not going to have a final answer until much later mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. But the rest of the events were, were pretty close and it was just kind of a, Fine-tuning. you know, yeah, a bargaining between, okay, is this the right rep scheme? Is this loading correct? Um, is the time frame correct? Is the time cap correct? Stuff like that. But um, most of the major changes had already been kind of hashed out prior to that. Well, and I think for the, going back to the sandbag event, I can, I can definitely see sort of what you said played out in the testing environments where even early on in the event, I think that the spectators were like, I'm not so sure about this, what's going on. There's a lot of people lifting, but as we got further and further and the bags got heavier and heavier and you're seeing these athletes, like it's just unfathomable how they're lifting that much weight in a sandbag and how long they're holding it up against yep. their body. Um, it really did draw you in in this very unique way that I think a barbell event, you know, it would, it would have just been a very different event to watch. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and I'll, I'll say that, you know, it's kind of a funny thing to articulate, but I, I do think that's an important lesson in sticking to your guns because there are plenty of places along that path where people try to talk me out of that one. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, I think, I think we have to at least see it happen in testing and at least, you know, give it 
the the do mm-hmm. before we make the final call. And I'm glad that I did. And there's a couple other examples of that too, where you know it, it was outside of what people had seen in the past, and they they were a little hesitant because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a clarity of vision to say, no, we're going to stick with it and we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise you can run the risk of it just becoming a milk toast type of event. And I was, I said that through the whole uh, planning process. I said, look, <laughs> I'd rather it be a spectacular failure than just like milk toast. You know, <laughs> nobody wants just like a, oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's like, no, I let's have never actually, heard let's, milk toast before. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like let's, let's make it awesome and a big spectacle or let's fail spectacularly let's not just have this like down the middle kind of oh well everybody's yeah yeah everybody's like okay with it but they're not really satisfied it's like no let's it's the crossfit games like you can't yeah you can't just play it safe so um and and i think it's interesting too because we live in this time where everybody's so interested in being part of the conversation you're like that's cool you know everybody feels that they're entitled to um mm-hmm. voicing things on social media or whatever and okay fine that's cool um but if you're to listen to the chorus you know in the kind of greek yeah. sense of the word um yeah. most of the time not most of the time there there's plenty of situations where they're not going to lead you down the right path um and for no other reason than they just, they can't know. They, mm-hmm. they, they're not as privy to the information. They, they haven't spent the time that you or the team have. Um, and so you do have to trust that process to some degree. Um, but there's an old Henry Ford quote that's like, uh, you know, if I'd asked the public what I wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay. You know, like that, that may have been what the public had demanded, but certainly wasn't you know, the interest and the, and the, the revolution that kind of spawned from that, um, that's it would have right. been missed. So that's right. Well, I'm glad you stuck to your guns and I'm glad we saw that event this year. What was it like for you watching it play out on the floor with the athletes? And then, um, at what happened as the men, you know, I know we were all watching and there are still a lot of men lifting these, these heavy bags. And then we saw an extra <laughs> bag come out at the end. I was really worried. I was really worried during the women's heats. Um, you know, like I, I, I'll be honest, at the end of, that was Saturday, um, at the end of that day, I was really starting to feel the fatigue of the week mm-hmm. uh, and, and the the time leading up to the week of competition. Um, and so I was pretty, pretty exhausted when that event started kicking off. And I think that tainted the way I saw it unfold in the beginning. And I was a little bit worried that the women um, didn't have the effect that, that we were going for. Mm. Um, but I think that it almost kind of brought me into the spectator experience a little bit more in the sense that I do think that event rewards a little bit of patience because in the beginning, it's like, okay, everybody's making the lifts. It's kind Mm -hmm. of whatever. Um, But if you stick with it and you invest yourself through the whole thing, you really get the impact of what it means to come back and address that bag seven, eight, nine, 10 Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. Um, You really see, okay, this is a steep ramp that started off pretty mellow, but exponentially just, mm-hmm. you know, increases in difficulty as you get closer to the end. Um, and that's pretty visceral. I think if it's just, you try to make that a soundbite event, I'm sure the last lifts are cool and fun to watch, but it's not nearly as impactful. Um, so I was relieved when we got through the women and it was such a success and to see, you know, I mean, man, hats, hats off to, to the ladies that got through that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Danny Spiegel was so impressive in that and, so and Jacqueline Dahlstrom and, and so many of the others. I mean, it, it was really, um, it was really cool to see that. Um, 
And then once we kind of had that, I, I hate to call it like a warm up lap, but I think once the only in the sense that now I think the um, spectators and the staff and everybody on site uh, I mean, broadcast, they, they, mm-hmm. they kind of knew how it was going to play out mm-hmm. to some degree. I think it was like, okay, now we can really be ready for what's going to happen on the men's side, mm-hmm. um, which was, I mean, incredible. That was, uh, it defied our expectations for sure. That was something that we had tested. And I, you know, I was pretty convinced that 300 was going to be kind of the cutoff for a lot mm-hmm. of guys. We'd get maybe one or two people to like a 330, 340 bag, and that would mm-hmm. be it. Um, and obviously that wasn't the case. You know, we had, we had, I don't know, 16 lifters still in at, at a 320 or 330 bag and <laughs> just not at all what we had thought. Um, yeah. So and, what was happening from, backstage there? Well, it was one of those things where we didn't have the 350 pound bag until we did. Um, mm-hmm. And so hats off to Rogue Fitness for being so ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we agreed ahead of time that I think the 340 was the, uh, the top. I don't think there's going to be... Um, uh, a need for a, a heavier weight. Uh, if we do have like two people that make it to the 340, that's okay. They can tie. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it looked like it was going to be a lot more than that, you know, those guys, those, those guys being the rogue team, they sprang mm-hmm. into action. And uh, before I knew it, I had somebody come on the radio and tell me, Hey, there's another bag ready in the back. <laughs> so I thought, okay, great. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Cause it looks like we're going to need it. And we did. So it was, it was awesome. It was really awesome to watch. And yeah. I, I had no doubts that Rogue would come through on that one as they always do. So, Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, they're the best. It was really cool. So I have to also ask you about the Capitol event because that was just uh, one of my biggest regrets at the games this year was not being there in person to see it. Um, it was just from hearing from people who were there who were right up against the fence watching and cheering at the end and then just seeing the images and watching the videos. It just feels like one of the more most powerful CrossFit Games events we've seen. Um, and I'd love to hear your perspective on what that was like in the moment and and making that decision to open the gates and allow the spectators to come up and, um, and be there in person. That event was very stressful. That, I mean, I think that one in the sandbag, <laughs> well, let me, let me rephrase that. I think the three most stressful events were that one, the, the capital of the sandbag and the swim event because they just had so much potential for um error or you know just misconnections on on logistics and things like that uh and they were relatively unknown so the capital event in particular you know having athletes start in one one place and end in such a vastly different area um that just presents a lot of logistical challenge especially when you can't close the entire course you know we knew that it was going to be impossible for us to completely close the track from where athletes started to where they finished. So there was a certain degree of, of a kind of chaos is too strong, but you know, unpredictability yeah, (laughs) that that you had to be comfortable with. Um, and so honestly, again, I was really stressed out when that event was Mm -hmm. starting. Um, the first heat got away pretty well. Travis Mayer was so far out in front. I was really concerned that the runners behind him were going to lose line of sight and get off track somewhere. Mm. So there's actually a point where when he was on his final ascent on the last couple of blocks to the Capitol that I left him, I said, Hey, Travis, just keep running up this hill. I'm going to go back and find the next runner because mm-hmm. I, you know, I was leading them on a, on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. So I went back and found them and they were, they were on track. It was good. It all worked <laughs> out. Um, but you know, you just you have these horror stories in your totally. in your mind where 
you have a pack of athletes that just followed their leader at the time and they're you know they're somewhere in, in downtown Madison. In Milwaukee or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, thankfully that didn't happen. So we got that first heat away. That was that was good. I was a little bit relieved once they ran the track, but then you have the second heat and they don't have the advantage of seeing any of that um either. So mm-hmm. They're running just as blind as everybody else. And so you just kind of hold your breath and hope hope that they make the course as well. And they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, this is one of those moments where I think my personal level of stress doesn't reflect the preparation of the of the team. And you know, we had marshals, we had the course marked, we had a, a plan of leading them with with the rider. You know, there's all these things in place to make sure that it goes right, but you still just you have these doubts. So um anyway. We get the bulk of the athletes to the Capitol. I mean, the atmosphere there was insane. There were so many people and they were so enthusiastic. And I mean, that was awesome to have the crowd right there. Um, it's rare that in an offsite event, we have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I mean, you know, you think back to some of the bigger ones that we've done that you were involved with, um, things like Pendleton, you know, mm-hmm. Camp Pendleton, there was nobody there. We there, Number one, they couldn't be. And number two, I mean, that course was so big and so, so rangy that there's no way they could have been. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, many times that's the case with these offsite big, big piece kind of events is that you just, you're kind of doing them with the field and that's it. Mm-hmm. So having the crowd there was awesome. Um, and then, you know, we didn't have the time cap intentionally. It was, it was important that everybody experienced the full impact of that test. That was, that was significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when Rebecca was at that kind of final ascent, yeah, I went over and I asked her um, when she was taking a break at, at one of those moments. And I tried to be candid about it. And I said, hey, look, you know, like, are you going to make it? And she said, yeah, of course. And, you know, the way that she answered um, gave me a lot of confidence to keep going. I was actually worried mm-hmm. that she was, you know, unable to finish or or hurt mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but that wasn't the case. That was, again, that was something that my mind was concerned about, but was not the reality. So it's good, good to check. Right. At what point do you call it, yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, her level of confidence was, was like, okay, yep, this is going to happen. Um, and so then you just let it play out. And it, it was just one of those organic things that uh, I did not plan it, you know? Um, and I think that's important for anybody who's thinking about events or responsible for running them on a community level or, or, you know, whatever scale. Mm-hmm is that certain things can't be forced. And if you try to force them, it's not going to have the impact, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the capital event was never meant to be this iconic moment that, you know, is going to really show the strength of the community. No, it was, it was a cool spectacle. I, I thought the test was legitimate and we had the opportunity to do it at this site that was super high profile. So mm-hmm. we did it, mm-hmm. but the intent was not to have that kind of um, um, moment emerge from it. And, and so really, I think it's just, kind of the instinct of recognizing when that's happening and, and trying to act on it. And, uh, you know, luckily we kind of caught the lightning in the bottle that time. Um, yeah, there's really not much more to mm-hmm. it than that. I, I, I don't know what else to say really. And yeah, it, yeah it worked out beautiful. And I think yeah. for anybody listening who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend going back to watch, watch the video, but just taking, I think that's also the the beauty of having people running these events like you and like Justin Berg, who, who truly understand and know CrossFit, the cross community, the methodology who've been around it for so long is that it allows you to make those decisions in the moment. 
um, and feel the energy of the community and, and do things that are unplanned with the right opportunity that have a big impact and can really display what CrossFit is all about beyond just, you know, the competition aspect of it. So, um, I thought it was, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. No, it, it was one of those things that, um, like I said, it was very stressful to put that one together. You don't know how it's going to go. And then you just so relieved that it, number one, it was the test that it was supposed to be. And then the, the icing on the cake is that mm-hmm. you just had some of these incredible moments mm-hmm. emerge from it. So, yeah. I love it. Well, looking kind of bringing zooming back out again, I know we talked about all the transition over the past few years and changes in leadership. I know that very CrossFit also announced the new CEO, Don Fall, right during games week. Um, I'm wondering if you have yet had a chance to meet meet him or speak to him and what your initial impressions are of, of him as CEO. I did meet Don uh, briefly a few times on site at the games, um, which is kind of fun. I, I took him with the demo team to do a few uh, kind of back of house things when we were doing some equipment testing and, and making That's sure I, it was actually we were <laughs> trying to make sure that the parallel bars were uh, stable and, and beefy enough that they were going to take the heat from athletes in competition mode. <laughs> so we, we went back with Don and, and played around with that. And that, so that was fun. Um, yeah. But I mean, I really just had a cursory in- introduction to him while everything was going on. Um, and, and that's about it. I mean, I, you know, I really haven't had much uh, interaction with him since um, other than a few emails here and there. But um, so I, I really don't have an opinion at this point. I mean, he, he seems like he's uh, invested in the community and seems like he's been around CrossFit long enough to, um, to understand what it is that we're doing. Um, but, you know, time will tell. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. That's great. Yeah, I think I've, I've heard similar things from others at the games who've just recently met him initial, you know, good first impressions. But I think given everything we've been through, everyone's a little cautiously optimistic yeah. to get their hopes up too quickly. Um, but, you know, I've heard only good things. Yeah. From- well, and, and one thing. I'll- okay. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say on that too, which I think is interesting is, is um, I don't know how to phrase it, but it's like people want a figurehead. People want somebody that they can pin the good, the bad and everything else on. And in my opinion, and maybe this is just because I don't have a corporate background and, and nor do I want, I really don't care about that world. And I don't, I, I'm, I'm lucky in, in the sense that I don't have to care about it that much. Um, but I think it's, I think people should be cautious in, in placing all of their either faith or um, animosity or, or anything on a single individual. I, I really mm-hmm. think that the strength of any organization is not going to come down to one person. And if that's what you're looking for, then I doubt the strength of that organization. You know, I mean, good leadership is great and it's a, it's an awesome asset, no question about it. But mm-hmm. if you if you are hinging your opinion on the actions of a single person, I just think that that is maybe a pretty short-sighted approach uh, in, in both situations, the good or the bad. So, um, you know, I know that's a hot topic right now mm-hmm. about um, who's in that seat, but, mm-hmm. and it, I don't mean to be flipping about it, but it's like, I kind of don't care. Um, yeah. It doesn't yeah. change my approach and, and many of the people that have been working and pushing this thing for years and years and years. I mean, it, it it's almost inconsequential. Um, and I don't know if that's a, a, a particularly uh, on-brand thing to say, but I, I think it's the <laughs> truth. So, Well, I always appreciate the truth, especially from you, Buzz. <laughs> and I think... Um, I think you're you're spot on. I think that the you know if it was all based on one person, I don't think CrossFit would be here today. I think that right. it's because of 
all the other people like you um, who have been there day in and day out through all the ups and downs um, that allow this thing to keep moving forward. And I think that that will never change. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. On that note, where do you think, just big picture, where do you see CrossFit 10 years from now? Where do you hope to see CrossFit 10 years from now? Oh, man. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me is that it's still authentically what it is. Um, I, I, again, and maybe this is a less popular opinion, but everybody talks about growth and professionalism and all these things. And it's like, okay, great. I just don't know what people mean when they say that. Um, I, I reject the idea that getting bigger just to have more people looking at you is a good thing. I think getting bigger because people are genuinely interested and they want to involve themselves and they they want to learn more about the the lifestyle and the method, great. I'm all about that. But if it's just bigger because we want more people watching on TV, I'm like, I don't care. That's mm-hmm. That does not interest me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would hope, I guess the most important thing to me is that 10 years from now, we are still authentic this thing is. And we're still, um, you know, at the at the core of it, we're still following this method that has really cut away a lot of the industry bloat and and has really kind of set a path for people to make decisions around their own personal health and fitness that doesn't require experts, that doesn't require, um, you know, years and years and years of study to uh, to make a really good life for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think it's important that that's preserved no matter how wide reaching something becomes. So that that's what's really important to me is like, hey, bigger's great. More people be getting involved. I'm all about it. I mean, geez, you know, I, I'll be the first one to say that this is so impactful and it can be so important for for everybody, no matter what their situation is that like, yes, I would lo- love them to be involved. Um, but if the goal is just reach for reach sake mm-hmm. without that impact, I, I don't care. Um, so remaining authentic to what it is that we've done, um, growing in a way that makes sense to, um, I guess the momentum that we've built over the past, you know, 20 years, um, Mm -hmm. that that's what I think is important. And I think that's hard to steward at times, especially when you have people that, uh, you know, they have their own opinions about what, what growth should look like. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think getting big just to get bigger doesn't make sense. So if we have millions more fans watching the CrossFit games every year, but they're sitting there eating fast food and on the couch, not what we're looking for. We're looking for actual change and impact. And if we have that many more fans who are also living the lifestyle and sharing it with their communities, then we're doing a good job. Yeah, exactly. And and on the other end of that, it's like, you know, I guess um, you could look at it through the lens of the event itself or the season itself. I think there's plenty of things that you could do to um, make a spectacle out of what the CrossFit games are and to make it more palatable for fans. And some of that's certainly useful. But if you look at something like um, like a TV show that that involves like a physical uh, challenge, mm-hmm. there's plenty of things they do there to make it compelling to a TV audience. But you have this huge separation between that TV audience and, and the thing itself. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think that's what we're about. And I don't think that's the path that we should go down, despite the pressure that might be there in the future to do mm-hmm. such things. And so that's that's where I feel the most responsibility is to try to keep things, uh, you know, progressing forward, obviously, but but true to what they are. Um, that's what I see my role is, uh, you know, primarily is is being a bit of a bulwark against um, 
it's just the floodgates of, mm-hmm. of what's popular in the moment. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right. I know I asked you these three questions last time, but we'll do rapid fire because I'm sure there's something about them that have changed oh over the last okay. few years. So first one. Oh, is... you'd be surprised. I don't know. I might be too much of a creature. I have it. <laughs> that's good then. Maybe that's your thing. Um, first one is what are the three things you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Oh man. I mean, those are, that's kind of low hanging fruit in the sense that it's always been, <laughs> it's always been workout. I have a baseline of, of um, my nutrition. That's, it's um you know it's not perfect but it's pretty consistent mm-hmm. probably hasn't changed much since the last time I uh, talked to you on the podcast mm-hmm. um and then the third thing is i try to uh do things for fun um you know i try to try to get out there and, and do new things and and uh yeah just I love enjoy that. i'm enjoy so... having having a physical <laughs> right enjoy all your health, fitness you know? right? yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah well that's actually something i wrote down i wrote down some goals for this year and one of those things was to find more hobbies that I do just for fun because I don't, I don't actually think I have any, like everything has some sort of secondary purpose. And I would really, I'm still really stressed August now and I'm still really struggling (laughs) to find them. So I'm curious what, what are your, the latest things that you're doing for fun? Well, I'll give you an example. Just the other day, um, a friend of mine who actually, uh, he and his wife moved to the area, um, geez, a couple months ago. Um, anyway, so it's nice, number one, that they're closer, but, but mm-hmm. he is, uh, uh, he's big into archery and that sort of thing. And so oh, he's like, Hey, why don't cool. you come out and I'll, I'll size you for a bow and we can, you know, spend the day doing that. And I was like, cool. I've never really done that with a compound bow. So we went out and spent the day doing that. And I'm like, that, that was a lot of fun. You know, I don't know that it's going to be something that I dive into and, yeah. uh, embrace wholeheartedly, but like, yeah, I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was, it was great. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I've been, I have been playing some pickleball this year, which has oh, been awesome. all the rage lately, which I do think is fun. But then there's also this part of me that's like, oh, it's kind of a good workout. Like I'm kind of getting a good workout. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to separate that aspect of it. But, um, but Ooh, okay. I'll give you, I'll give you another one. Um, yeah. so the event management group that we partner with framework, uh, uh-huh. they're based out of, um, Alabama and Alabama hosted the, uh, world games this year, uh, okay. which has a lot of kind of cool sports that a lot of people might not have heard of except for different parts of the world. And one of those sports is called corfball. And oh. I'd never heard of it before, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like a cross between, I don't know how you describe it, like volleyball and and uh, basketball kind of, I guess. Okay. And um I, you know, they were sending me some clips of this. It looked really cool. And I just asked them, I said, what what do they do with the equipment when the event's done? Uh-huh. And uh they you know, Danny, our, our contact, he's, he said, I, I don't know, let me ask. And so he got back to me, he said, well, the city just has them there. If you want oh. one, they'll give you one. And so now I have a corf ball net <laughs> that uh, just got uh, sent up to me. Um, so, you know, mess around with that. There we go. I don't know All the right. first thing about corf ball, but, uh, but it, it'll be fun <laughs> to kind of mess around. Next time I'm in your area, I'll have to come yeah, check it out. Absolutely. All right. What's one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on? Oh, it's always sleep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the importance of it is there, but I'm always uh, up a little bit too late. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I, 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 I'm not too hard on myself uh, these days around that because I'm like, yeah, it's just who I am. So, right. um, yeah, that's, that's an easy one. That's an easy one for sure. Yep. It's like balancing, like, like you said, this obsession about getting the details right, but also, yeah sometimes gets in the way of sleep. Um, how about 
the last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? Oh, that's a good question. I think a healthy life is one that um, you are permissioning yourself to jettison the anxieties and um, well, I had it and then it slipped away. Let me think about that one more time. I, Yeah, a healthy life is one where you have the big picture taken care of. You know, mm-hmm. you are um, doing the big building block elements that that make the biggest difference you know you got mm-hmm. a basic detailed ah, man i'm really blowing it no um, you're you're good you're <laughs> good you can you can get as many shots as you want <laughs> yeah um i think I, I think it comes down to like a, your lead question i think is is getting you most of the way there right like you have two or three really big habits that you're consistent on and you don't really have to think about them anymore like i don't have to think about working out and, and having a pretty decent diet because i've done it for so long that it's just kind of autopilot. I don't have to worry about it. It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to work out. Even if I take a couple of days off here and there, it's like, well, it's part of my life. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, so having a couple of those keystone habits uh, established enough that you're just going to do them and then not getting so obsessive around the details that you stress yourself out about things that are ultimately um, just that they're just mm-hmm. details. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an easy trap for a lot of people that are involved in this kind of uh, subculture. Absolutely. You know, they, they, they really want to optimize and that optimization often comes with a lot of stress and hang up around doing quote unquote, the right thing. And it's like, look, you're, you're 90% of the way there. The rest of it's kind of just it's right. by and large, it's inconsequential. You know what I mean? Like if you're worried about what brand of fish oil you're, you're buying, you're probably worrying about the wrong things. There's probably you know? bigger thing. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. right. The 80-20 rule goes a long way, that yeah. Pareto principle. And, um, you know, well, and, and understanding, remembering the why, right? Like, why are you doing yeah. this? What do you want to use your fitness for? All the things you want to go out in the world and have fun doing. Well, and I guess like life is stressful enough. Like you don't need to um, put this artificial stress about uh, certain details and decisions um, mm-hmm. that you're probably already doing a good job around. Um, you probably don't need to put so much energy there. That's and right. maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you just had a few weeks of no schedule after being, you know, on the clock or, you know, every minute and every second. And I'm glad you did that and enjoyed that. And I'm just so grateful for the way you've embraced all of the changes and decided Thank to, you. to stay on and make the most of this season. And I really, you know, I really think you did an incredible job. I've heard nothing but good things from, the community, you know, in the weeks following the games and during the games. And I'm excited to see, you know, what you, what you have for us next year. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's always a pleasure and uh, you know, it's just awesome that people like yourself and and so many others that are so involved and have been for so long um, have that kind of support for me. It's, it's uh, like I said, I'm just really grateful for that. So, so thank you. Of course. All right. Thanks, Boz. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.